0: faith journey. So again, that starts next Sunday and November 13th. If you want more information on that or to register, just head over to mynorthside.info.
1: Yeah, we'll be at Next Steps. We would love to see you there. However, if today is your first time here at Northside, we want to meet you. All you have to do is head out to the living room, out in the lobby. We have staff, volunteers, and even a free gift for you to take home.
0: Absolutely, lots of free stuff tonight. Free chili, free tonight, this morning. Yeah. Free chili, free biscuits, free gift, if it's your first time. Um, and what Shelby just said, that that is the heart of our church. That is the heart of Northside. Um, we wanna connect with you. As a matter of fact, our vision here at Northside is connecting unconnected people to Jesus. And that is something that we love to see um, every single weekend. And and let me just say this, um, those connections, uh, connecting unconnected people, all the life change that is happening, none of that would be possible if it weren't for the generosity uh, in this room. So let me just be one of the first to say to those of you who give, thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, and also let me say, if you came prepared to give today, you can head over to mynorthside.info. It's incredibly easy to do on there. Or uh, we do have giving boxes located at um, the exits as you leave today.
1: All right, y'all. This is my favorite part of service, meeting new people. (laughs) So go ahead, stand up, shake your neighbor's hand and sing with us. We're so glad you're here.
2: Promise God of the future you see beginning and end God of the rescue and God of the praise Don't hold back, don't hold back You're up to something But for now, you can have a seat. We get to check out what God's doing, not just here, but around the world through our church family.
3: so proud of Northside and the 334 people who responded to God's call to come and serve here in Guatemala. People came to to lead projects, to build houses. There's 14 houses that were built this week. We had hundreds of patients that came to receive help from the medical clinic, a dental and and a vision clinic. And we had hundreds of kids come to the soccer and the the girls outreach. It's just fantastic to see Northside being the hands and feet of Jesus and loving on people in His name. uh, I, I was really excited about all the first time people that were on this experience and seeing God at work and in some cases, maybe for the first time, allowing God to work in and through them and seeing what can be accomplished. and Even though we finished all these different projects, what was maybe even better was the impact that was made in our own lives, our own hearts, and God teaching us lessons we might not learn anywhere else except for when we step out of our comfort zone and just allow God to work. One of my favorite quotes from the week came from a 19-year-old, and he says, I worked harder this week than I've ever worked in my life. And I didn't get paid a single penny, but I'm leaving here richer than I was before. And I think that sums it up for most all of us who are impacted by what God has done in us and through us. We've said what happens in Guatemala does not stay in Guatemala, but hopefully we take it back to Southern Indiana and make it a part of our regular lifestyle of service and fellowship and allowing God to work in and through us. Thank you, Northside, for supporting this effort and being a part of it. do this again sometime
4: yeah praise the Lord on that man what an incredible just recap of what God has done in the life of his church here. My name's Nate. I want to welcome you, especially if it's your first time. And I just want to introduce you and remind you uh, about our loving God who has called you and I into a relationship with him. But here's the beauty of God. He says, I don't want to just have a relationship with you. Here's what I want to do. I want to begin to bring my relationship to the world through you. And this is the opportunity that you and I have as his church, and what I love Doug said in this, on that trip, we had teenagers who have worked harder than they've ever worked before, and I love that phrase, I've worked harder and I didn't get paid a dime, right? But then there's something that happens when you and I begin to to do the work of the kingdom of God that it is greater than any paycheck we could get. To see the life change, I heard the story, you know, we built 14 homes down there and there was one, uh, Maddie Summers, who leads our women's life groups here. Uh, She had a team of women who built, an all women build team who built a house in in actually three days. And uh, it was just an amazing deal of them stepping up and they were rained out and they stepped up. And and this is what the scripture says about the church. It's this that you and I get to become the people of God, that you and I are invited into this bigger story of God. And we're doing this series called Chill, and it's all about discovering God's rhythm for our heart to be at rest. And see, oftentimes, here's our problem. We long for rest, but we don't know the rhythms that God has for us to bring rest. And I know if you talked to anybody who went on that trip, they were more tired when they got back. But here's the thing, they were more fulfilled than ever before. And the reason why was this, they were beginning to operate with the kingdom rhythms. See, the kingdom of God says this, we don't just exist for ourselves, we exist for the ways of God. And what happens is this, there is joy that God can only bring to our life when we pay attention to his rhythms. When you and I begin to live with his rhythms, and what we're going to talk about today is this, how do you and I keep the rhythm of celebration? You know, that's why today, you know, afterwards, we're going to celebrate today who Jesus is and what he's done. And we're going to eat a little chili afterwards just to celebrate a little bit more. And there's just something good. I don't know if you're like, you're like 10 a.m. I don't know. Maybe take it home with you. All right. And you'll eat it in a couple hours. But there's something good that happens. Even if you're not a believer here today, there is something good. You know it in your soul when you take time to celebrate. You know the good at work when people take time to celebrate your accomplishments. They say this, one of the things that people don't always say that they want to hear, but actually it does so good is this, when people actually say their name out loud in front of everybody and the good that they bring into the world. Literally this week, that could be a good uh, just exercise for you at work or in your home, just to say the good that you're seeing. And for us, what happens is this. Oftentimes, we want to celebrate the good of God. We want to seek his kingdom. But here's what you'll find out. You'll find out and you'll experience it today. It's this. You and I will have conflicts. And what will happen very quickly is this. The conflicts that you and I face, here's what happens. They steal our celebration. And God has made you and I to celebrate the kingdom of God, to live in the kingdom of God. Uh, Last week at the end of the service, we asked you guys to share your burdens with us and to put it in receptacles. And here is the stack of hundreds and hundreds of cards that were from people in this room that wrote down, here are the burdens that I'm carrying. We prayed over every single one of these cards this week at our all staff. If you put one of these cards down, man, we prayed for you. We looked over this. We saw the worry. We saw the fear. We saw the burdens that people were carrying. And we prayed. And here's what will happen. Sometimes the weight of these burdens begin to steal our celebration. They begin to steal our joy. For me personally, uh, one of the burdens that I'm carrying right now, uh, my wife Ruthie and I, Uh, we found out that our neighbor just got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And if anybody have walked through that before, you know the heaviness of that. And, And this is the question, how do you and I as Christians celebrate and keep that rhythm when you know potentially that could cut somebody's life short? And now every single time, boy. last night, that was the first time I say it. I just, it just kind of got choked up in that moment because every day we look out and we see our neighbor's house and we see our neighbors and here's what happens. It just, it's overwhelming in our heart just to begin to pray for them, for them to begin to know. And here is the hope of Jesus, even in the midst of conflict and even in the midst of burden is this, the hope of Jesus is this, that no matter what sin you and I have encountered, Maybe sin that's been done to us or sin that we have done or the situation that we're in. Here's the good news of God. There is not a situation that the hope of Jesus does not overcome, amen? And even when my neighbor might be facing what is a potential death sentence, here's what we celebrate today, that there's one who's come and died and rose again. And so what I know is this, I have a hope that is beyond this life, And it is found in Jesus and what happens is this, it's not that my burdens go away, it's not that hard situations go away, it's this, it's that I am constantly reminded of the one who has stepped into my burden and the one who has stepped into my situation. And see that is where our celebration is. And today what I want us to do is this, I want us to be reminded about why we can celebrate and celebration doesn't mean that you stuff your emotions, Some of us, that's what we've been told growing up or maybe in the church, it's this, just stuff your emotions. or or maybe you might be like me, you don't stuff your emotions, you eat your emotions, right? You know, and I I know when I come home from a a day where I don't feel like I've been a great pastor or a great leader, uh, you know what I turn to? Fritos, right? You know, it's like, like, man, there's just some comfort food. And you know, if I'm having like a a really like bad day or something like that, I'm like, order those mango habanero wings from Buffalo Wild Wings. It's going down, right? You know, it's like, that is my comfort food. And and what's funny sometimes is my wife, she'll know like, okay, something's up with Nate, come home, and she'll be making dinner, and I'll still eat a bag of Fritos, and she's like, I'm making dinner. I'm like, I know, bad day, right? Bad day, and now here's the thing. Here's what happens. We begin to have these things and these emotions, and we lose our joy, and we lose our sense of celebration of what God has done, and we forget it, and we begin to replace it with things. And what you're gonna find today and what I'm gonna find today and I need to hear over and over again is this. I need to hear the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 15 because here's what I love about Jesus. He not only gives us a reason to celebrate, but he speaks into our circumstances. He says, I know today it may be hard for you to celebrate. If you have your Bible, I wanna invite you to turn to Luke chapter 15. It's in this situation that Jesus is beginning to be surrounded by people who are looking for a reason to celebrate. They're looking for joy. They've gone after all sorts of things in life and they haven't found the joy that they're looking for. They kind of wrote the song before, you too, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is like, good news, I'm what you're looking for. And listen what happens here in Luke chapter 15. This is how it opens in Luke chapter 15, verses one through two, listen what it says. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. How would you like to have that nickname? Oh, there's the tax collectors, there's the sinners, right? You walk in today, the greeters. Hello, tax collector, hello, sinner. Welcome to Northside, right? The coffee's over there, right? And I'm like, man, how how does this feel? But it says this, that the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. Here's why. Tax collectors were actually very wealthy. But they were Jewish people who were ripping off their own people to work for the Roman government. And what they knew is this. They're richer than they've ever been before, but they're more empty than they've ever been before. They're not living according to the rhythms of God, just chasing the dollar, and it's wearing them out. So the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Here's what we're going to find in this story is this. Maybe you've heard the story about the prodigal son before. We're going to look at it here in Luke chapter 15. But what we're going to find is this. In that passage, the reason why Luke includes it is this. Everybody thinks the prodigal son is the one that's lost. And we go, oh, yeah, that's that tax collector and it's that sinners. That's the prodigal son. And you ever realize this? Most of the time we never classify ourselves as that. We always think of somebody else who's that. And this passage says this. It's not just the tax collectors and the sinners That are surrounded by Jesus. It says it's the Pharisees. And here's the thing about the Pharisees. They know the word of God. The only problem is this. Their hearts are far from him. And what we're going to find in the story is this today. It's not just that the younger brother, the prodigal son, needed to come home to the father. It was that the older brother needed to come home to the father as well. It's every single one of us needs to come home and find our rhythm with God. I had a pastor friend say this at one time, I find it humorous, he said, here's how I know there's a fair, Pharise- I'm talking to a Pharisee in the church. He said, after I preach, somebody will come up to me and go, you need to preach on sin more often. He goes, I think you're right, so tell me your sin and I'll preach on it next weekend, right, and they're like, oh, uh, no, I, I, we, need to, we need to preach about these people. He's like, oh, no, we need to preach about their sin. But you tell me your sin, and we'll preach about it next weekend. And he said, here's when you begin to know that you're a Pharisee. You think nothing of your sin, but all you can concentrate are the sins of other people. And here's the problem with that. We're more lost than we know. And we have less joy than we know. See, this whole story starts with tax collectors and sinners as well as Pharisees. And so let us get into this passage. Jesus begins to tell them this story. And what he's doing is this. He's trying to call the crowd back into this rhythm with the Father, back into this heart of celebration. See, Jesus says this, I have come to seek and save the lost. I've come to give you life. I've come to give you rest for your hearts and your souls. And he begins to tell this story in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued. He said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Now we don't grow up saying that to our parents, right? But this is in our day day and time, this would be like you going up to your parents if you were a kid, or your kids coming up to you right now going, Mom and Dad, give me half of your 401k right now. And you're like, well, I already lost half of it, so go ahead, right? You know, like, like, like just take it. Hey, if, if I'm already losing it, just take the rest of it, right? Now here's the thing, you would never do that to your parents and you for sure would never allow your kid to come do that to you. See, that's how lost this younger son was. He doesn't care about the father. He just cares about what he can get from the father. And see, this is where we lose our rhythm with God when we actually don't care about the father. But our whole life is just built on what we can just get from the father. Jesus begins to speak to this because he knows that's what's resonating with the tax collectors and sinners. Father, give me my share of the estate. And so the father divides his property between the older brother and the younger brother. And it says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and he set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. Now, culturally, here's what you gotta understand, Jesus is saying, the Jews did not associate with any pigs. That was unclean. And what he's saying is this, this man not only robbed from his father, now he's betrayed his religion. He's betrayed everything that his life was built on. He has absolutely ruined his life. And it says this, that he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He had chased everything that he thought life was about, and now he's more empty and broke, and nobody's there to help him. But when he came to his senses, He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven against you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And so he got up and he went to his father. That's what we do, isn't it? I don't need my parents, I'm my own man. But dad, can you give me 20 bucks? I gotta gotta fill fill up my gas tank, right? And we, we long to be our own men. We long to go do our own things until we hit the wall. And this man's like, I- I'm going to die out here. It's better for me to go be just a servant of my father. And so he goes home. Now, let's just feel that tension for a moment. If your kid has taken half of your 401k and ruined it, And he's coming home, and he literally smells like trash. What's your response to that? Can I just give you my gut response? My boys are seven and five, so sometimes they do smell like trash when they come in the house, right? You know, I was like, where have you been, (laughs) right? But I'm just imagining. My kid has ripped me off. Here's my demeanor. How'd that go for you? Where'd you spend my money? What lessons have you learned? But listen how the father responds. See, Jesus knows that's what you and I are expecting. But he wants us to know the rhythm of the father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son. He ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Can you imagine just what that son is feeling like in that moment? Whoa, whoa. I smell like pigs, this this isn't good. No, 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 put the best robe and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat and calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to what? Celebrate. See, here's our problem too many times. We're trying to celebrate before we get home to the Father. And every time you and I begin to go off to a distant land, we, what we'll find is this, we will end up broke, maybe not financially, but spiritually we will end up broke. We have spent everything to go get our dreams, only to come back home empty. And what we find is this, oftentimes we're afraid to come back home, aren't we? We know how guilty we are, I can't come back home. They they won't let me back home. I don't even wanna be with myself. I don't even accept myself. I can't even forgive myself. And if I can't forgive myself, why on earth would my father forgive me? Time out. Isn't this good news that God judges us by his view, not ours? See, God has grace for us that we don't even have grace for ourselves. See, this is why Jesus is telling this story because he knows the tax collectors and sinners are beginning to believe this. There is no home for me in this world. And Jesus goes, oh yes, there is. It's with me and my heavenly father. See, this is the joy that Jesus brings in this. But not only that, listen what happens here in verse 25. The father begins to celebrate the younger son, but in verse 25, it says this. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. He's working. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. He's like, "What's going on here?" Right? And so he called one of the servants and asked him, "What's what's going on?" And he said, "Your brother has come." He replied, "And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound." But the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. You hear the heart of the father. But he answered his father, look. And I can imagine he just kind of poked his dad in the chest, right? Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice he doesn't even call him his brother. When this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes. When he comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to what? Celebrate. We had to celebrate and be glad because your brother of yours was dead and is alive again, he was lost and he is found. Here's the mistake I've made every single time that I've read this passage before. I thought this passage has always been about the prodigal son. I thought it's always been about the younger brother. Here's what I found out the more I read this passage, the passage isn't even about the younger brother and the passage isn't even about the older brother. You know who this passage is about? The loving father. It's about this loving father that gives you and I reason to celebrate. When you have no reason to celebrate because all you can think about is your sin, your heavenly father wants to celebrate over you because of the love of Jesus. And when you feel like you have everything together in your life and you are blind as a bat, Jesus looks at you and he goes, oh, you poor soul, all right? You've missed it. Oftentimes, here's what's happened. Here's why we don't have rest in our life. It's this. The rhythm of rest escape us because what we've done is this. We've sought relief through pleasures and our performance. Too many times, this is what's happening in this passage. You go, pleasures and performance. Here's what I mean. The younger brother begins to believe this, that his rest will come in his life. And maybe you've said this before, or we, you and I, we've heard people say this before. We're like, hey, why don't you come to church with me this weekend? I'd love to invite you to hear more about Jesus. Why don't you come to church? And maybe you've had friends say this, or maybe you've said this before. No, nah, I'm just trying to find myself right now. I- I'm trying to find myself. It's been 15 years, I'm still looking, but one of these days, right, I'm gonna find myself. Can I just let you know, you will never find who God made you to be until you have come home to the Father. See, this is the excitement that Jesus has for the tax collector and the sinner because here's what they, this is what he knows. He's going, I know tax collectors and sinners, you have gone to a distant land. This is our problem. This is the guilt that comes with our sin. It's this, it's the guilt of the distant land. It's the guilt of when you and I go after everything but the loving grace of Jesus. And you sit there and you've got everything you've wanted and yet you're still empty. And the love of the father goes after you. The love of the father comes after the younger brother. Here's what I love about the father. It says this, and especially in that time, fathers did not run. The fathers were a place of honor. You came to the father. We experience this today. Maybe when you're growing up. I remember growing up. My parents didn't run after me. You know what they said to me when I was in trouble? One. Oh, they didn't come running, right? One. And then what? Two. And then based on your parents, it was like two and one quarter? Two and a half, two and seven eighths. And I think my dad at one point was like, I'm not chasing him because now he's 10 and he's probably quicker than me, right? And so I'm not gonna chase him. But here was the deal as a father. As a father and as a parent, you don't run after your kids. You come here right now, young man. But what does our heavenly father do? But while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son. He ran, but the son has run away. I know, and that's the compassionate father that you and I worship today. This is why you and I can celebrate is that when you and I have quit running after the father, our father does not quit running after us. The father continues to see us in our sin and has compassion for us and wants to wrap us up in his grace and his mercy, and he sees us, and he comes after us. See, this is what it looks like to be the church and the people of God, is we don't look at other people as older brothers. We look at people as the Father looks at us, and we have eyes to look. There's story after story that people came back from Guatemala, and I know in southern Indiana, even if you're not a Christian, this is what you do in southern Indiana. When you pass by somebody, you do this. How you doing? Right? This is kind of like our calling card. How are you, right? You know, how are you, right? It's like down in Alabama, roll tide, right? You know, it's like, you know, like we just kind of have all of our common greetings. And what was amazing was this. Our team, when they'd come back from Guatemala, this is what they would find. They would say this. We would do that southern Indiana thing to people in Guatemala. How are you? And they said they would just stare at us. Like, what's wrong with you all, right? We're like, do you all not have sweet tea down here? Like, you know, and, uh, and then stories began to come out our team would begin to go, why? why aren't people friendly down here? One of the translators said this, they don't have a house. What do you want them to celebrate? What, what, what do you want them to celebrate? See, too many times this is the problem. We begin just to assume that people have a reason to celebrate when the only reason why you and I can celebrate is because of the love of the father that sees us in our brokenness and is filled with compassion and comes after us and he runs after us. He runs after us. See, this is how we celebrate as Christians. It's not because of the good that we have done. It's because of the good that the father has done for us. And this is the problem of the older brother. The older brother is, here's the problem. He is trusting more in his performance than he is in the compassion and the love of the Father. Listen to what he says. He says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Too many times that's what begins to get in our mind of what it means to follow Jesus. You don't feel like you are a son or a daughter of Jesus, you feel like you're a slave of Jesus. All these years I've never gone to those party, God, and I never got a big bonus at work. All these years I've been slaving for you, God. And this is what the older brother's saying. And here's the problem, and I'll be honest. A lot of us will resonate more with the younger brother or the older brother. We have traits of both of us in us, but will resonate where your story is more about a wild living that you went off to a distant country and God brought you back home. Or some of you, you maybe be, might be more like me I grew up as a pastor's kid. And everybody's like, pastor's kids are always worse. And I'm like, "Yes, right. You know what I'm saying, basically, right? But here's the problem of me. It wasn't that I went crazy as a kid. I don't have like the crazy, I got in jail and I had to have my parents come bail me out. And this, that, yeah. You know what my crazy story was? I believed that I could be good without God. You know how angry that makes you? Makes you angry when you can't live up to your own expectations. Makes you angry at others when they can't be like you. You ever thought this? The world would just be a better place if everybody thought like I thought. Right? The world would be a better place if everybody drove like I drove. Right? The world would be a better place. We don't need six dressings out. We just need French dressing, right? Some of you are like, hold up. I don't agree with that, right? You know what I'm saying? But this is what we begin to do. We begin to begin to think just like the older brother. And here's the problem with the older brother. He didn't leave home, but his heart and his life is still not with the father. For some of us, you never left church. The only problem is this. You don't believe you actually need God to be successful in life. And what happens is this, when we begin to live that way, here's the rhythm that begins to develop in our life. It's a rhythm of resentment. It's what scripture calls the root of bitterness. And we begin to be bitter people like the older brother. See, this is the powerful passage that Jesus is saying to both the tax collector and the sinner, as well as the Pharisee, is this. Both of you need to come home to the Father. Both of you who believe that you have no invitation, God is inviting you home to him. And for those of you who begin to believe that God just loves you based on your performance, he's going, you are wearing yourself out. And not only that, you're angry and you're bitter and you're resentful and you're tearing apart all of your relationships. And what Jesus is saying is this, he redefines our rest in this moment by saying rest only comes through the restoration of the father. Rest only comes when you and I begin to believe it is not based on our performance and it's not based on when we find ourselves because here's what you're gonna find. At the end of your life, as you continue to search, you'll never truly find yourself because here's the key, you ready? You didn't make yourself, but there was one who did. And he made you in his image, in his likeness. And he has blessed you and he has wired you. And the only way for you and I to be free is this, is to come home to the Father. See, he says this, here's how rest comes home. Here's how we practice and celebrate in our life is this, this, the restoration of the Father. And in this passage, both sons are lost. The younger son is lost and the older son is lost. And Jesus says, I have a way for you to come home. This is what I began to take as I looked at this is this. To be lost today, and some of you may feel lost, it means to still be loved by the Father. Some of you, you feel so embarrassed because you're lost. Can I just let you know, let the text speak over you, that your heavenly Father sees you and is running after you, and he knows you're lost, and guess what? He's not embarrassed of you. But he wants you home with him. This is what we begin to think about God, that God probably doesn't like to celebrate. That God probably is just kind of a, he's an old man. Turn off that music, right? No running in the church. For sure no chili in the church, right? If you can't run, you ain't gonna eat chili, you're gonna ruin the carpet. Some of you are like, that is my picture of God, right? Like, this is weird. I had some people like, literally, I would see him out and they go, man, I love that church. I don't know about coffee in the auditorium though, right? And I'm like, I get it. I, I get it. I know. But the more you study scripture, here's what, here's what I found. In the Old Testament, you know what God commissioned Israel to do? They had to have seven parties every year. They called them feast. And it started with the feast of Passover, where God delivered Israel out of Egypt and took them into the Promised Land. And every year, this is what God said, he goes, you're gonna remember me when you celebrate that I've brought you out of slavery and into your home. And after you celebrate Passover, I have another party for you to celebrate. And I want you to remember all of the things that I've done. Seven parties throughout the year, God's people. Now, here's the thing. This is the beauty of God. Sometimes we miss it because we make God in our own image. I love what C.S. Lewis says this about God. He says, God made man in his image, and the problem is man returned the favor. God made us in his image, and now we've made God in our image. And he goes, that's why. We don't have the rest that God created for us. That's why we have a faulty picture of who God is. See, when Jesus shows up, something greater than the younger son could ever dream showed up. An invitation to come home. An imitation, this is what it says, when the passage says that the younger brother came to his senses, here's all the younger brother could dream of, if I could only go back home and just be my dad's slave. That's, that's all he could imagine because he just needed to survive, he just needed to eat, and he comes home and here's what he finds, his father didn't want to make him a slave, his father wanted to make him his son again. Too many times, here's our problem, we're living only with our goals and our, and our ideas in mind, and God says, I have something so much better in store for you, and it's in Jesus. I have some, something so much better. Some of you are going, Nate, I, I, I know I need to come home. How, how do I come home? It's just simply this, you ready? And it's scary, but this is what the scriptures call us to do, it's to confess our sins. Not earn your way back, confess your sin. It's what the younger brother does. Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. Baptized my buddy Jeff uh, last night after service. Jeff's been coming to church here for about a year. I got to become friends with him because he's the only guy who will sit next to me down here before service. <laughs> and so when they say, hey, turn and greet your neighbor, Jeff, right? <laughs> you know, i am just got to buy myself over here in the front row. And what's been incredible about his story is this, Jeff came here in a broken place and from a distant land. And over the last year, this is what he's found is this, he's found a loving father. And last night, Jeff confessed his sin and he got baptized. And what was so cool is this, his men's group, his Iron Man's men's group was standing outside the baptistry with his mom and they erupted because Jeff came home last night. You know what's better than chili? Baptisms, right, you know what I'm saying? Like I just love, it's like just this, just this idea that we can come home. Some of you, you've never allowed the idea to cross your mind that God would actually want you home. And the heavenly father sees you and he's ran after you in Jesus. I love what, what God's word says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. God's people had quit celebrating God and their life was wrecked. And in chapter 30, verse 15, this is what he says. It's still true of what Jesus says. It says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. When you confess your sins and go, God, I gotta come home and I need to come home through Jesus. He says, that is your salvation and quietness and trust is your strength. You don't have to puff up. You just need to confess that you need to come home to a loving God who forgives you through Jesus. Quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Blessed are you when you go, okay, no more distant lands. Because here's what happens. When you come home to the Father, in Jesus, he begins to make you like the Father. The compassion that you long for, the anger problem that you carry, the compassion of the Father begins to change. The graciousness that you want to love people with. The humility that you know you need, but you can't find. God goes, I have it, that's who I am, but you've got to come home to me. Rembrandt painted one of, I think it was actually his last painting of his life. There's a painting that Rembrandt made and it's called The Return of the Prodigal. And really what they believe is this about Rembrandt is this, he lived a hard life, lost three kids, three kids died, lost two wives, tragedy was had tons of money, then went bankrupt because he went to a distant land, and then he paints this picture, one of his last pictures, and it's the return of the prodigal. And what Rembrandt was known for is this. In Rembrandt's painting, where he wanted you to focus the most in the painting is where the light was. Now, I'm no art scholar, but part of me wants to tell Rembrandt, Rembrandt, your painting is off-center. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like The prodigal's not in the middle of the painting. Rembrandt's a little bit smarter than me, but here's why he put it there. What they found was this. In Rembrandt's painting, what he wanted to display is this. The hands of the father. The hands of the father holding the prodigal who had come home. But notice who's not in the light. The older brother. Who's on the right? And in this painting and in this passage, what's interesting is this. Jesus resolves the story for the tax collector and the sinner. When you come home, here's what the father's going to make you. Oh, you've wasted away and you've lost all this stuff, but you know what's going to happen when you come home? The father is going to scoop you up. He's going to run after you. He's going to change your life. You You were a slave to that person, but now you are a son. This is what scripture says. When you become a follower of Jesus, you are now a son or daughter of the king. There's 33 things that scripture says that when you become a Christian, that happens to you. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You are a son or a daughter. You are co-heir with Christ. You are adopted into the family of God. You are loved. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. This is who we are. But what's interesting is this. He doesn't say if the older brother came in to the party. And in that painting with Rembrandt, you're left to wonder Will the older brother actually come home? For some of you, it's not that you ran off to a distant place in your life. It's this. Will you begin to believe that you need the grace and mercy of Jesus more than your good works? See, good works follows grace. You don't get grace because of your good works. Good works follows grace. Grace. I love what it says here in the passage. It says this, it said, when the older brother became angry, the father went out to the older brother and he pleaded with him. The father leaves the party and he goes out to the older brother. He's like, hey man, c- c- come on in. Your brother was dead, but now he's alive. He, he was lost and now he's found. And I want you in on the party. For some of you today, you need to confess your sin, but for some of you today, and this was what I needed to learn in my life is this, I needed to come home to the party that God has already. I needed to begin to step into the light that you know what, I don't save myself, and you know how I get over my judgmentalness of other people and my hatred and my anger in this world? It's that I come into the party of God, and what happens is when I step in, the compassion that I lack, it's the compassion of Jesus that now begins to change me. But here's the deal. In the story, they don't say if the older brother came home. But you and I today have an opportunity to come home. Because here's the good news we have an older brother. We have an older brother. This is what happens in this passage and in that time frame. If your younger brother left and went on their own, the older brother was to leave home to go get him. The older brother's like, hey, you can die. That actually saved me time. Matter of fact, you know why the older brother was so ticked? Because the father had given. Half of the inheritance to his younger brother. He's like, that's fine, that's yours. And when the younger brother comes back, what does the father do? He kills the what? He, fills the, he kills the fatted calf. Guess who that was? That was the older brother's, right? You want to tick a man off, mess with his steak. You know what I'm saying? Like, that will make somebody angry. So, what happens with the older brother is this he's not glad that his younger brother's home, he's ticked that now he's losing his possessions. Jesus is telling the Pharisees, Pharisees, I know you know the scriptures, but your hearts are far from God. You need to come home. Here in a moment, we're going to take communion. We're going to take the bread and the juice and we're going to celebrate that our Father has invited us home. I want to invite you to get that out here in a moment. I want you to, as we begin to head towards this time of going, you know what, maybe you're off in a distant land or maybe you need to go, man, I've been trusting too much in my good works. And what I want to do is this, just before we take communion, I want to read just these verses over you. It's what Jesus says to the younger brother. Maybe you need to hear these words, but he says this to the younger brother. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost, and is found. So they began to celebrate. Today, you can begin to celebrate because your older brother has come after you and he went to the cross and he died and he rose again so that you can have life, so that you can come home, so that you can leave the distant land. And when we take communion, maybe you just need to reflect on that, that your father wants you home, or maybe you need to hear these words today. You you resonate more with the older brother. Jesus says these words, my son, the father said, you are always with me. And listen to this phrase, and everything I have is yours. God wants you to know that today, that in Jesus, everything he has is yours. You can be free from your performance. You can be free from the things that you feel like you have to earn in this life to find your identity. All you have to do is this, come home to the Father. And so, God, right now, before we take communion, Lord, we just pray that our hearts would come home to you. That, Father, if we're in a distant place, that, God, we would know that your invitation is for us to come to you. Or, God, maybe we've been coming to church for a long time, but, God, we... We're just angry people. And we need the life change that only Jesus can bring in. And so as we take the bread and the juice right now, Father, may we delight in your love for us. May we become more like you, not because of us, but because of Jesus and what he's done. And today, God, because of you, we celebrate the hope that you've given us. And everybody said together, amen. Let's take communion Then we're going to sing together. Let's take communion right now.